So just as we came into the retreat with some momentum from our daily lives, as we move into this last full day of practice, there may also be some momentum from your efforts of practice over the last few days. And so really to um, take advantage of all that you've done so far, to support your fullness of practice as you move through the day, and really encouraging all of us to uh, see what it's like to have the practice be as seamless as possible. And by that I mean everything is practice sitting, getting up from sitting, leaving the meditation hall, going to the bathroom, having some tea, having a meal, lying down to take a nap. That the instruction can infuse everything. And we've given quite a bit of instruction over the last few days about how to pay attention to and work with different aspects of your experience. And so today the encouragement is perhaps to point in some of these additional directions that I was suggesting, becoming aware of the arising and passing of moments of experience, and also beginning to tune in, to become aware of the field of awareness itself. Again, this, what's sometimes described as that which knows. Becoming aware how each breath, each sound, thoughts and feelings, all of it is arising on its own. You don't have to do it. You don't have to change it. You don't have to make anything happen. And of course, as we've been saying, if there is um, uh, something that feels too difficult or painful or overwhelming to be able to be present with, then please uh, be skillful. Use the various tools that we've suggested to work with your own mind, heart, body, your nervous system to uh, resettle so that you can continue to be present with what's here in a kind of continuous and ongoing way. And remembering that all of this is offered in the spirit, that there's not a right or a wrong way to practice. It's not like paying attention to the breath is good and something else isn't. But that all of what we're offering, all of these different ways of attending to experience, they're all skillful means. And attending very carefully to the breath in the body may be really great for a while or a longer while. But at some other point, there may be, it may be useful to pay attention to the, the Vedana, the flavor of pleasant or unpleasant or to notice the reactivity in the mind, or to start to see how experience 
arises and passes when there's a greater sense of spaciousness. And again, sometimes that spaciousness, <laughs> whoa, we get pulled out, you know, and then it can be useful to recollect, regather. So there's no rule book here. This is for each of us to discover for ourselves. And just to say that your, your practice, your experience may be pleasant or unpleasant for any period of sitting or walking or stretch of time. But in some way, the invitation is to really let yourself enjoy the fullness of what's here, whether you like it or not. This is your life. And you have this precious opportunity to be with what's here, to see clearly, to learn how to work with, to be present with, to learn from what's arising in this uh, day of practice. So we um, have time for a few questions, if there are any. <laughs> Anything you want to say or ask about the talks, the instruction, any aspect of what we're pr doing together that could use some clarification or uh, you have some question about. Yes, please. At times um, when the thoughts go um, and I go into a kind of a, um, an emptiness, I find um, just there's a fear or resistance to that that, that also disappears, I think. And so um, um, and I find myself filling it with some of the customary things that I do, mm -hmm. various desires and thoughts. Mm -hmm. um, is there a way you suggest for dealing with whatever that fear of resistance is? I mm -hmm. understand. Well, you're, you're um, in a way answering your own question in the way that you're asking, which is that the, if, if it were me, the thing that I would want to pay attention to and be interested in is the fear and resistance. So there's a kind of uh, unfamiliar, what you're describing as emptiness or spaciousness, an unfamiliar sense of oneself that arises. And for most of us, there'll be some kind of <gasps> right, startle, perhaps, or fear. So then that's what's happening. And can you bring a sense of kind of genuine, tender curiosity to that? Not a trying to figure it out, but more like, oh, fear or anxiety. W what is that? And to notice it, as we've been describing before, not so much to notice a 
a difficult feeling by going up into the head and describing, but going down into the body. What does that fear feel like? Is there a tightening? Is there a shift in the breathing or heart rate? And if it, again, if it becomes overwhelming, if it's too much to stay with, then you kind of back off of it. For me, sometimes I think of when fear or anxiety rises and I can't be with it, it's too rattling. I think, can I, can I look at it down a long hallway? Or can I like touch it just for a moment and then back away? Okay, that was enough. And as Andrea was saying before, then you notice the impact of it on the system. And if it's too much, then you say, okay, anxiety, I'm gonna put you right over here for now. And, you know, maybe I'll breathe with it. Maybe I'll notice some other aspect of my experience. And maybe I'll attend to something else. But you can do that in an intentional way without, you know, judging. Like, oh, I should be able to stay with that. Maybe not. Maybe just touching it or even noticing that it's there at all is pretty good, right? You want to add? <clears throat> so um, I think the the work with being um, present with the response or the uh, the kind of the reaction to that sense of emptiness, the sense of unfamiliarity, I think, is often what's happening there. That that's where the fear is coming from. Um, so in sometimes what happens, and just like the next step perhaps beyond this, uh, being with the fear, with the, um, the anxiety or resistance to that unfamiliarity. So as that fear and that resistance begin to get weakened, weaken, you might notice that there is just this space of whatever it is, and touching into that again, it can be like, boom, there's the fear again. So sometimes just a couple of tips on almost how to meet that. Mm. Um, and so the one thing that I find, I have found personally mo- most helpful because those kinds of states, well, there's a couple of things. There's like, they're very diffuse. You know, you can't like say, oh, that's what that is. It's like, you know, it's more like in a way... Um, On the night when it's very clear, on a moonless night when it's very clear, you can look up and you can see the stars, the moon, and those those are very clear. You can identify, oh, that's the moon. And then then there's the Milky Way, which you can't really point to with a specific thing. You know, so there's that kind of, that kind of object of just like vast and diffuse. And then there's the sky itself which is also vast and diffuse. And we can know those things, you know, that's like we don't, we don't try to look at the Milky Way by zeroing in. We don't know the vastness of the space of the sky by zeroing in. And so that's a kind of a, it's kind of a open the awareness to not look for something precise. Mm-hmm. So, so that's one piece of being with that kind of a place, that state, it's more like, the awe of something unknowable almost. Mm -hmm. So there's that piece of it. And then um, um, because we so like to know what something is, 
that's another kind of a place to explore. Mm. Is like, wow, I don't know what this is. And acknowledging that is like, mm. unfamiliar is what's happening. And having even that kind of a name for something, it's like, yeah, not knowing what's here, <laughs> that's what's happening. Sometimes that can help the mind uh, not move to the fear and the resistance. You know, the fear and the resistance, we need to know that. But then again, as, as those begin to weaken, we land in that same place. And if we don't know how to kind of navigate the meeting of that, the fear and the resistance will just come right back. So those are a few pointers to be with the thing that is kind of underlying the arising of the fear and the resistance. Please. Thank you. Thank you for two part question. Um, the greed, aversion, and delusion, those are the causes of suffering. Right? You got it. Do they have a specific name or are they just called the causes of suffering? They're called the unwholesome greeds. What? The unwholesome greeds. Yeah. There's, there's different names that they're given. The, uh, Andrea is saying the unwholesome roots. Sometimes it's described, it's not a great descriptor, but as the three poisons. And I think we've been trying to describe a bit that they're, they're, they're in relationship to one another. My way of understanding it, and there are different ways to understand it, is that greed and aversion are sort of two sides of a coin. One is wanting something, and the other is not wanting something, right? wanting to get away from. And that in some way, the root root of these two in Buddhist teaching is delusion or confusion. And this is actually, a, it's a very kind sort of teaching, at least compared to the Judeo-Christian tradition that I grew up in, in which there was a root of evil. So Buddhism suggests instead that the root is confusion. And so our path and our practice of this kind of clear seeing, whether it's a star luminous starry sky or it's more of a hazy, milky way, that whatever's here, that this clear seeing, this knowing of what's present is insight. And the insight uh, tempers the delusion and confusion. So that's kind of, you describe it as a kind of wisdom path. Or as I said last night, walking a wisdom path in the service of compassion, of compassionate action. So, yeah. So then, um, any kind of suffering, fear, hate, jealousy, anything that comes up can help us fall in that sort of category of those three things. Yeah. So, and this is for, for you or me or any of us to sort of see for ourselves. Um, and to say that those three categories, um, <laughs> how would I say, their um, good descriptors, our actual experience is often um, blurrier or messier or less distinct than that. So a moment of experience, you may say, oh, there's fear, but there's also resistance or anger or sadness. So it's not always just one thing which can make it feel a little confusing sometimes, but it's true that our experience doesn't fit perfectly into a little category. Yeah. 
So I have a couple of announcements for today. Let's see. So just two pieces of um, etiquette to support the kind of collective container of all of us doing our individual practice together in community. And the first is a reminder about the um, door closing transmission, particularly if anyone is up in the middle of the night to be really uh, attentive and careful about not closing a door that makes a big sound because it can wake people up. Um, And the second is in terms of uh, walking meditation. Sometimes there's a walking meditation that happens on a very narrow path outside. And um, the idea is to be aware of, you know, we talked about being aware of the bottoms of the feet. In this more open instruction today, you might also be aware of sounds or the feeling of the air on the skin, right? But the idea is to pay attention to your own experience, but to also keep some attention on the space around you. So you might notice that there's someone behind you who wants to pass, or you might notice that there's someone in front of you walking a different way and you don't want to intersect their path. So the, it's a more advanced practice, <laughs> but you want to both pay attention to your own experience and kind of have a peripheral vision of what's going on around you. Um, if you're in a situation in which uh, someone is uh, in your way, you know, blocking the path, please don't touch or tap. Um, uh, Please don't say, please move out of my way. You could, you know, just so that the person knows that you're there. And if you hear that, you know, you can be aware to step aside and let someone go by. These are the refinements, right, of the instruction. Um, Let's see. So um, this evening, the, what's usually the 7.45 meeting will be happening at 7.30. And we want to uh, ask everyone to please come. It's an important meeting where, in addition to our practice, we will be taking in some important information. So please come to the seven o'clock, 7.30 meeting. And we need a volunteer to be the bell ringer. Not this bell, but the bell outside. So what did you say? How many minutes? Seven minutes before before 7.30. What is that? 7.23. If someone would volunteer to ring the bell so that you could call people here. Thank you. Thanks, Laura. Um, If there is anyone who... uh, is flying somewhere tomorrow and needs to print out a boarding pass, um, you can leave a note for one of the managers on the note board and um, let them know that you need to do that. And then they'll arrange a time uh, to let you in the office so that you can do that. Um, And the last piece is that um, there will be group meetings today for those of you who weren't in meetings yesterday with Andrea and I, and Luigi will be sitting in on the groups that I'm doing. So we thank you in advance for um, supporting their practice um, in doing that. And um, they'll also be doing 
individual signups as um, they've been doing the last number of days. So there'll be a, a sign-up sheet for meetings with Luigi uh, again on the door to the dining room. Anything else? No. So um, have a lovely rainy day of practice. And um, thank you. <laughs>